And now, WBW Theater. Welcome to WBW Theater. Listen to a series of radio dramas, comedies, mysteries, thrillers, westerns, all dedicated to preserving the golden age of radio. Those thrilling days of yesteryear, way back when families gathered together around the living room radio to join the theater of the mind. Listen now as we take you way back when imagination ruled and creativity had no limits. Listen now to WBW Theater. John Gunther meets John K.M. McCaffrey, Harry Hansen, and Whit Burnett in The Author Meets the Critics. And as chairman, here's the fiction editor of American Magazine, John K.M. McCaffrey. After John Gunther wrote Inside Europe and Inside Asia, and then Inside Latin America, all of them bestsellers, most of us, I'm sure, had little doubt what Gunther would write next. The only question was, which of the few continents left would he choose first? Hardly anyone, perhaps not even Mr. Gunther, suspected that his next book would be a novel. Did you suspect it at that time, Mr. Gunther? I've been suspecting it for about ten years. In any event, the fact is, Mr. Gunther, that you have turned novelist, and as such, you must pay the consequences. Here's what that means. Two well-known critics will join me during the next half hour in a free and frank discussion of your new book, The Troubled Midnight, and you'll have to act in your own defense. With me on the critic's side is Whit Burnett, the editor of Story Magazine, well-known for his book, This Is My Best. And to complete our panel, Harry Hansen, literary editor of the New York World Telegram and of Red Book Magazine. Whit Burnett, Harry Hansen, and I claim the floor for ourselves first, Mr. Gunther, while you remain silent on the sidelines. But it won't be long before there'll be a signal, and then, Mr. Gunther, it's your turn. Before the critics begin, Mr. McCaffrey, I'd like to tell our listeners about the book prizes we're awarding. Every member of the radio audience can sit as a judge in this literary tug-of-war between the author and the critics. After you've heard from both sides, what's your decision on John Gunther's new book, The Troubled Midnight? That's the question we ask at the close of the program, in the interest of getting your comments, whatever they may be, favorable or unfavorable, on the book you hear discussed. The author meets the critics, wants to know whether it's helped you make a choice, whatever that choice may be. Through the courtesy of the Book of the Month Club, we're able to award three unusual book prizes for the best comments from listeners. I'll have more details for you later. Now let's turn now to John Gunther's The Troubled Midnight. And here's Mr. McCaffrey. I think that the first thing we have to consider is the fact that we have a personality on the air tonight who is best known as a writer and as a personality as a foreign correspondent for his books inside practically everything. Uh, Mr. Hansen, uh, do you have any general remarks that you'd like to make on this foreign correspondent before we turn to the foreign correspondent turned novelist? I've never been quite sure whether John's love was fiction or whether it was foreign correspondence. He has had a long experience as a foreign correspondent and he's written several of the best books on foreign affairs for the general reader that I know. Certainly Inside Europe did a great deal for all of us. It told us so much about the Germany that is now making war long before anyone else did. I always had a sneaking suspicion going way back to our days in Chicago that John would like to have been a novelist and that the foreign correspondence and the books that resulted from it were somehow in the line of his experience and not in the line of his love. Uh, Mr. Burnett. 
Do you uh, have any feeling about Mr. Uh, Gunther as a foreign correspondent that you'd like to get off your chest before we turn to him as a writer of fiction? I didn't know John in Chicago, but I knew him in Europe, and I'm delighted that he has now become a novelist. I think it's uh, a slight uh, misconception there, though. John was a novelist a long time ago. He has written some novels. There's an interlude here in his career, I think. He has... Um, uh, I, in other words, I, I don't like the uh, feeling that it is necessary for a person uh, to be unable to uh, do two or three things at the same time or in one lifetime. I think you're quite right, Mr. Burnett, in that I was under the impression until a very few minutes ago that this was Mr. Gunther's first novel. It was my ignorance, I'm sure, but uh, perhaps uh, I just came along a little too late. What I'm wondering about when I introduced the question of Mr. Gunther as a foreign correspondent was, uh, in the case of this book, The Troubled Midnight, would we be reading it if it was not by John Gunther, the foreign correspondent? In other words, if this book were just by Mr. X, how would we approach it as a piece of fiction? Mr. Hanson? Well, I'm sure we'd read it with a great deal of interest, even if it had no name on it. Of course, the name John Gunther is going to bring a great many people to it that never would have gone under other conditions. But The Troubled Midnight is one of those titles that makes you want to read it. You, you have an idea there's something behind it, possibly even a mystery of some kind. I think that by the fact uh, uh, John Gunther has put his name on a novel which his publisher calls a tensely modern novel of love and conflict in Constantinople shows the inherent bravery of John Gunther. Uh, known as he is for uh, taking whole continents, uh, here he has uh, taken merely a few small human beings. Uh, the fact he's put his name on it is uh, has uh, two elements. One is a drawback. I think a lot of critics will expect uh, war and peace out of John Gunther, at least. <laughs> I don't think this is war and peace, frankly. I think it has a much better opening chapter. <laughs> um, the dullest chapter in all literature is the first chapter of War and Peace. This is one of the most exciting first chapters. This seems to be the off year for War and Peace. <laughs> I think. But I think that uh, there may be a general feeling that because John has treated factually a whole continents full of people that uh, he should now be considered not to uh, do anything of any less stature. I don't think there's any law why uh, uh, against a journalist writing a novel. I, I agree with you, Mr. Burnett, that certainly if one is writing a novel, one should concentrate on the people first. Certainly the central character in The Troubled Midnight is Leslie Corcoran, who arrives in uh, Istanbul to work for Lend-Lease, surrounded by all the intrigues of Turkey and the Balkans and of nations at war. And she there has uh, friendships and uh, at least almost a love affair with several men, uh, Hugo von Reichenau, a Nazi, with Gerald Heath, a young British secret agent, with a man named uh, Robin Culpepper, with whom she had had a, a terrific affair in this country. 
Now, this woman is made very fascinating to you in the book. She is fascinating, obviously, to all the men who meet her, but I think probably fascinating women are different to every man who meets them. I would be interested in the attitudes of you, Mr. Burnett, and of you, Mr. Hansen, toward the Shall very we, fascinating uh, heroine of this book. our notes on fascinating women? Uh, well, that's what I'd like you to do right here, uh, Mr. Burnett. My well, wife is here. I can't. Yes, I'm watching your wife's or, face. I deal only with the heroines of fiction, of course. The, and it occurred to me that Leslie, as a woman, didn't seem to have much appeal for me. She was the sort that if a f handsome man went by, Leslie would look after him and perhaps hope he'd be calling her up, and of course he would. But, I think you uh, derogate yourself entirely too much, Mr. Hanson, but go ahead. I don't know just uh, what I've said that reveals my feeling, but <laughs> nevertheless, it occurs to me that Leslie is a little too hospitable in several cases and not hospitable enough in others, that is. You can buy her a nice meal and sit around and talk with her and she gives promise of uh, a very interesting companionship and then there comes another man and she's off on a new tangent. She, she wants another, another meal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I think that uh, there certainly beneath all this uh, very witty conversation about Leslie, that is, is true of her, that she certainly goes hungry. from one man to another and she seems very hungry, as Mr. Burnett <laughs> just uh, uh, pointed out. Do you think it was, was hunger alone that uh, involved her in this uh, affair with Hugo von Reichenau, the uh, Nazi secret agent there in Turkey? Yes, of a sort. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Hansen? Well, I think in that case that she was sort of pushed into it by this Englishman, Strangeways, the, the man who tells her what to do for God and our country. Yes, Mr. Strangeways had his name uh, tacked down to him very aptly for, for my sake. He was the man who was kind of a deus ex machina in the entire thing, pushing everybody around as on a chessboard. Uh, what a very about... civilized character, though. I, I liked him very much. You thought that he rang... Did he ring true to you, Mr. Burnett? As true as that type of Englishman rings. It's a good old reticent Englishman. <laughs> I thought he was a stock character. With. He's the Englishman you meet in all the novels, the man who is always making understatements, if we can use that word. Well, here we have a picture of what is supposed to be a highly intelligent American girl uh, spending a great deal of time with this super-Nazi, uh, von Reichenau, uh, almost falling in love with him, certainly terribly attracted to him, in the midst of war. That seems to me to be a hardly credible situation. Mr. Burnett? Well, it may be credible or uh, incredible to you, but uh, this is Constantinople under certain circumstances. Uh, she did that uh, for love of country as well as for love of food. <laughs> she, uh, she was uh, mysteriously attracted to this man. He was a sinister force. I think for many pages he runs away with the novel. Uh, he's quite a powerful fellow. Uh, she is told to... Uh, to see what she can do to bring him over to the other side. And she does her best. In fact, halfway through, she has him over on the other side. She has him bewildered, hasn't she? Well, and us too. I think that uh, what we haven't uh, considered here is that this is a, a bewildered book, not uh, because uh, John has written it or that we have read it, <laughs> but that it is a bewildered moment. Uh, I think Mr. Gunther has... Uh, stated his thesis two or three times in the book. Uh, the world is in a state of transition. Uh, there is no peace in the world. 
uh, and there is no peace in these people's hearts. I think it is on a given page here somewhere. John will probably quote from that later. It's a disordered time. We're between uh, ideas. I think this is the first book I have read by a distinguished author uh, treating people between marriages. Uh, I think that's one of its values. Many people are between marriages. Uh, most, most ideologies are, are in, in between marriages. Many of the countries of Europe have married uh, Nazism for a time and are now being divorced from it. And uh, this parallel runs through this book. The girl herself is, is chaotic and in an unresolved state. But do you think that that should always, that the reader's reaction should be, be the same thing as the reactions of the characters in the book? Shouldn't an author bring some order out of it so that you can see at least what is going on with some objectivity, Mr. Burnett? Yes, I think order is brought out of it. It's brought out... I'm sorry, Mr. End. Burnett. Time's up for the critics. Now it's the author's turn. But before we introduce John Gunther, a word to our listeners about our book prizes. Every member of the radio audience is invited to sit as a judge on The Author Meets the Critics. After hearing both sides, the author and the critics, watch your decision on The Troubled Midnight by John Gunther. Do you or do you not intend to read it? If so, why? If not, why not? The Author Meets the Critics' hopes in presenting this program that it has helped you make up your mind about John Gunther's latest book. And we'd like to know your verdict. So send us your comments, favorable or unfavorable, on The Troubled Midnight. And for the three best letters or postcards, the Book of the Month Club will award unusual book prices. At the close of the program, we'll have further details. But now we know you're anxious to hear from the famous foreign correspondent, author of Inside Europe, Inside Asia, and Inside Latin America, Mr. John Gunther. Well, uh, first of all, Mr. McCaffrey and uh, Harry and Whit. Uh, I've seldom had uh, a more delightful 12 minutes listening to nice things. Uh, I don't see why I should uh, take any part in this at all. Uh, much pleasanter to hear you talk about me. I thought that there was a point that might be made, brought out, I believe, first by you, Harry. I don't think that there's necessarily a discrepancy between the work of a foreign correspondent and the work of a novelist. I think Quip made that point, too. Uh, after all, uh, politics uh, is a study of people in one phase, uh, so are our novels. Um, most people have thought that one of the things that uh, made Inside Europe and Inside Asia uh, books that uh, people read was that they uh, were hinged so closely on, on personality, which has always been my a main preoccupation. And, and it seems the transition to a book of this kind is quite easy because just as those were political books about people, this is a book about people but with a very, very strong political angle. Do you think That's the first point I, I, I'd like to make. The second is uh, uh, that I am um, sorry that you don't like my pretty heroine. Uh, several people who have read it have liked her. Several have put also said that she is a little bit too undecided. But after all, there again, I was trying to produce a given effect. Uh, a great many people are uh, extremely undecided about what their attitudes toward uh, the new world after the war is going to be. 
And without meaning to be pretentious or to, or to sound too elaborate, in a very rudimentary way, she was a kind of symbol of the mixed-upness of a great many Americans about things, just as the Greek character no one has mentioned is a symbol of, of, of the Europe that was uh, crushed that may come up again. Now, as to her having uh, all these meals, <laughs> I don't quite get that. I'm not a very skilled uh, or practiced uh, person in this field, but uh, one of the most interesting things for anybody who's trying to write a novel uh, is, it seems to me, how you get your characters together. And uh, if you um, follow the rather simple rule of trying to do it more or less the way it happens in life, although I know that's a very dangerous way, normally uh, a pretty girl meets a man or a man meets a pretty girl, and it isn't the most unusual thing in the world for them to have a drink together or even a sandwich. <laughs> I was much perplexed by this problem of exposition, and the book is far too flashbacky. Uh, uh, there, there are all sorts of faults with the narration. Uh, this device of having uh, two characters describe themselves to one another uh, would be even more lamentably thin than it is if they were sitting alone in an empty barn. After all, let them have something to eat. <laughs> I think that for the second time on this program, we have the spectacle of an author attacking his own book for lack of sufficient food uh, from the critics. Vicki Baum uh, did that, I remember, once. Mr. Yeah, Gunther. Let me go on uh, to uh, an extremely serious point that uh, you made, uh, Mr. McCaffrey. That is, would an American girl in Constantinople uh, see so much of a German, although... Whit defended me there by saying that, after all, her motive was ostensibly to convert him. Then she got a little bit carried away, and so did he. And uh, it has a, a proper ending. Actually, that sort of thing happens much more than one would normally realize in a neutral capital. I was in Constantinople, it goes without saying, uh, more or less picking up material for this. Uh, there's an astonishing amount of casual... Uh, uh, contact between uh, neutrals, belligerents, allies, practically all sides. Amazingly uh, uh, common. However, I, I would like to say one word, and then I'm through with, as far as uh, any uh, set piece is concerned. No one has mentioned what, after all, is the theme of this book. Well, Whit put, Whit put his finger on it by quoting that you can't have peace in the heart as long as there isn't peace in the world, but it goes a little beyond that. Uh, I had a perfectly serious political idea to present in this book, and I think one of the reasons is that the uh, jacket is so flamboyant is that my publishers were terrified that uh, uh, people would think uh, that it was a little bit too serious a book and not enough uh, story in it. <laughs> The book has a theme, which is that nationalities don't matter. And that seems to me an awfully interesting theme to write about, especially in wartime. It, it it's a, uh, comes in direct sequence from a great deal of work I've done in journalism. By that, I mean that exaggerated nationalism is um, unpleasant and dangerous. Therefore, I thought, how shall I work this theme out. And I began to remember some things I'd seen in Constantinople. I met the original of Hugo one night under very strange circumstances with the original of Florian, more or less. They're all composites, but more or less. 
Florian is the Hungarian girl. Because we have a Hungarian girl and a British boy just to make readers even more confused. (laughs) That the only way that I, an extremely unpracticed person, could figure out to dramatize this theme was by having people of opposing nationalities meet in intimate or semi-intimate circumstances. Uh, It was... uh, There was some thin ice, yes. Uh, But what I was really driving at was that uh, in the long run, what counts is not so much love of country in a narrow sense, but uh, love of causes. uh, But actually, your heroine in the end, Mr. Gunther, does she not go back to Mr. Culpepper, who was her first love, on a fairly uh, nationalistic basis, she certainly rejects Hugo uh, on the basis of the fact that what he does is uh, the things the Germans do, and his bestiality and brutality turns him against her, and she says that that's because he's a Nazi. That is correct. Uh, I saw no reason for not having a good all-American finish. Uh, I didn't say that love of country was wrong. I said that narrow or exaggerated... Uh, over-emphasized nationalism was wrong. And I tried very hard to convey the idea, uh, quite specifically in Leslie, whom I like. I don't care whether anybody else does or not. Uh, Does any of your girlfriends like Leslie, uh, uh, John? Yeah, it's very odd. Most of the men who have written the book are a little afraid of her, a little suspicious of her, and think, uh, this girl has uh, got too much light in her eye. All the... Women who have read it that I can think of, six or eight friends of mine, uh, they, if I may say so, uh, come back saying, my goodness, wasn't that a wonderful girl? Well, I, I, I still want to finish my point, and then I'm really true. That, that because you put your finger right on it, and I must say it in self-defense, that quite specifically and categorically, it is pointed out that Leslie does learn a great deal about uh, the United States and its place in the world. She starts out as just a girl who's never heard of anything outside America, and she learns quite a lot. And by inference, her American tycoon has had the same process operating on him. So they end up good Americans, but with something of a world sense. Now, this makes this book <coughs> sound so indescribably heavy and turgid and full of politics that uh, let's bring some more romance in. Well, I, uh, I, I for instance, Mr. Gunther, didn't like book, the can. girl. I thought that she was rather stupid. We were told that she was very smart. We were told about her, that she was, she was a smart girl and doing this very important work. But she s- certainly seemed to get herself into positions uh, which an intelligent person would have evaded with the greatest of ease. She uh, went on and on troubling herself uh, about matters that seem to me to be pretty rudimentary. Uh, Mr. Burnett, uh, how did you feel, once again, to get back to your reaction? I don't think I ever got it out of you, what your feeling about Mr. Gunther's heroine was. Well, I, I'm i a little uh, hard put to say exactly what my feeling about the heroine is. Uh, I'm delighted that the, that the hero is a heroine, however. I'm glad that John did not uh, commit the, uh, the the journalist into novelist mistake of making himself the Rover Boy reporter. Yeah. Well, there's not a trace of autobiography. There in is this. no Gunther not, in not, this. Not the I, hope, I hope not, John. I hope not. But, 
One of the... Uh, may I say uh, this about... Who did you John? think I was? <laughs> may, I, may I say this as a compliment and also something your prospective readers ought to know. I think you've given a picture here of what the German thinks about the United States. We have no idea what they think of us. I think you somehow hit on the very... the truth there of how distorted their idea is of us in that little conversation or two. But yet I got the impression, Mr. Hansen, that when his, his heroine answered him about all the good things in the United States, that essentially we were fighting the war to preserve the Rockettes, perhaps, or something like that. I mean, her picture of the good well, things in America me seemed to me to be very oh, no, uh, It was Hugo who mentioned the Rockettes. No, it was she who, who laughed at him for that. I'm, but her, I'm the afraid. things that she seemed to like and say, well, these are the good things of America, seemed terribly trivial to me. In her little... Uh, I would dispute that, but it would take too long to cite actual chapter and verse. By the way, I'm glad that you liked that first chapter, which uh, I had a lot of fun doing. Well, I expected the baby to be thrown under every passing automobile uh, <laughs> after I read it. I was sorry that some of the characters had not been thrown under passing automobiles before I finished the book. Such as what character, Mr. Burnett? I think it would have been helped to throw the little child in the book under the automobile. Uh, I think that John pulled a punch there. I think that uh, we could have thrown this child to the lions here artistically to good effect. I, I think, think John is too tender-hearted. The, the pet trick of the Nazis in Constantinople was to push a child under the, an automobile or something driven by an Englishman, which, of course, there was a great outcry, and uh, the British would suffer by it. You brought up the word artistically. Artistically, John, you, get, you finally have this girl wind up marrying a man we have never seen that she merely recollects now and then, and yet she's had this marvelous love affair with a very fine Englishman, and you leave him flat. Now, what do you have against um, him? <laughs> well... You prepared us for a marriage between the English... I think that uh, Mr. Hanson has, has put his finger on a, on a fairly serious criticism that you can make of the book. You went to a, a good deal of trouble in the title of the book, Mr. Gunther. You took it from a poem of T.S. Eliot's, which, if I remember, and I may be wrong, is called uh, Figlia che Piani, right? That's correct. And you take... take Piangi. Piangi. Uh, sometimes these cogitations still amaze the troubled midnight and the noon's repose, I believe is your quotation. If I remember that poem, which I haven't read for many years, it's a picture of a man and a woman on a staircase parting. Mm -hmm. And they are, it is one of his few lyrics, and they are held there statically. It's a static picture of two people, neither one of whom has sufficient vigor to break the spell which is upon them and to really come together as they should be. That seems to me the quality of this book, that it's static. Why don't the people behave sensibly, vigorously, and come together when they should to do anything vitally? Well, I suppose... Certainly Gerald should have come together with Leslie and not this myth, Robin Culpepper, whom we never meet. I uh, have, I think, what is a complete answer to that, which is that uh, in a very peculiar way, uh, characters uh, form themselves out of your mind, the process is inexplicable, and uh, no matter what you try to make them do, they occasionally do other things. You will say that that, again, is rather pretentiously stated. I don't really mean it. Uh, so, uh, it would have been awfully easy to have uh, written a straight-out, nice uh, love affair business. I was much more interested in doing a novel of mood and of ideas. I'm so glad that you mentioned about the conversations with the German, which I thought were the, the, the meat of the book, really, this attempt to explore the difference between a German point of view and an American point of view. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> Time's up for the author and the critics. Now that both sides have been heard from, we turn to our jury of listeners, and we ask the members of our radio audience, what do you think? What's your opinion of The Troubled Midnight by John Gunther? The author meets the critics would like to know whether or not you intend to read Mr. Gunther's book. And in a short letter or postcard, 50 words or so will suffice. Tell us what influenced your choice. For the three best entries submitted by listeners, the Book of the Month Club is awarding full-year book subscriptions. Here's what these prizes include. A full-year subscription entitles you to every choice of the judges of the Book of the Month Club for the next 12 months, beginning with the February selection of Thurber Carnival by James Thurber. Winners will also receive all the book dividends distributed by the club during the year. These dividends will be sent you every other month, beginning with the current selection, A Treasury of American Folklore by B.A. Botkin. In all, therefore, winners of Book of the Month Club subscriptions will receive no less than 18 books during the next 12 months. And since there are frequently dual selections, even more books can be expected. Remember, we award three of these prizes every week. And all you need do to win one of them is cast your vote for or against the book you hear discussed. Let us know whether we've helped you make a choice and address your entry to the Author Meets the Critics in care of station WHN New York City. Winners for last week's program featuring Samuel Johnson by Joseph Wood Crouch were Arthur Hart Burling, 1 Christopher Street, New York City, Milton Kaplan, 33 Indian Road, New York, 34 New York, and Mrs. Ralph Watson, 31 Lloyd Road, Montclair, New Jersey. And now, here's Mr. McCaffrey to tell us about next week's program. Few books in recent months have caused as much comment as has Waverly Root's The Secret History of the War. And so we're bringing Mr. Root to our microphone next Monday to meet the critics. Mr. Root, who is a well-known syndicated columnist, has a background of 13 years' experience in Europe. He was night editor of the Paris edition of the Chicago Tribune, correspondent for Time magazine and Newsweek. And somehow he managed to find enough spare hours to write this new book, which comes in two fat, finely printed volumes. The New York Times called The Secret History of the War a fascinating and remarkable book. Sterling North wrote in the New York Post that it was astonishing, although it had certain weaknesses. And Sterling will be with us next week to elaborate. Harry Hansen will also be on hand, and Waverly Root will defend, him, defend himself as author of the evening. If you'd like to see one of our broadcasts here at the Barbizon Plaza Hotel, address your request to The Author Meets the Critics, Station WHN, New York City. You're cordially invited to attend and to join us in the discussion which continues after the broadcast. Before we close, our thanks go to John Gunther for coming here to talk about his new novel, which will be released for publication this week. And thank you, Harry Hansen and Whit Burnett, for joining tonight's session. This is John McCaffrey saying good night for the author meets the critic. Your announcer, Dave Murphy, will tune to Penn Fiction. Join us again as we bring you exciting thrills and adventure, rip-roaring comedy, and shoot-em-up westerns and gangbusters. Next time, when your imaginations will be invited into the theater of the mind with WBW Theater.